What's up, y'all? It's your boy David with Blackwell Renaissance, and I'm here today to tell you guys about Anchor. If you haven't heard of Anchor, it's the best place to make a podcast. Anchor is a free app that has creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast straight from your phone. Anchor also distributes your podcast across all major platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many others. You can also make money on your podcast with Anchor with no minimum listenership. Anchor is everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So if you're looking to get started on your own podcast, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. I got money on my mind. Yeah. I'm just trying to get some dough. I ain't picking up my line unless it's money on the phone. Gotta get it on the daily. All I want is dubs. You know what I'm on. I've been chasing up the paper. All I know is broad money marathon. Do five years of this and be a millionaire and go on do what I want to do. Have kids, go live my chip and joy in the games life out here in Texas or struggle for next year. The choice is yours. What's up, guys? Welcome to the Black Wealth Renaissance Podcast. Our goal of this podcast is to normalize black wealth and share helpful resources and tips we believe will be useful in attaining and maintaining generational wealth. Please feel free to rate and comment on our podcast. We would love to hear all feedback you have. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Black Wealth Renaissance Podcast. Your boy, David Bella, one-fourth of the Black Wealth Renaissance, checking in with my co-host. Fellas, how y'all feeling? Man, we feeling great today. What up? It's your boy, Jalen, man. Another quarter of the Black Wealth Renaissance. Man, just lovely on this Saturday. This is the second show today, and we're still going. We Yeah, man, these guests got some great energy. So, look, I'm ready to get it started. How you doing over there, my brother? Hey, man. Your boy Jared checking in. I can't complain, man. I, I'm real excited to get into this episode today. We got somebody with a, a list of accolades a mile long. So I'm ready to get, really get into this episode and see exactly, you know, how that whole process went. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Man, it's about to be another another dope one. But look, y'all, before we introduce our guests, as always, y'all know what we got to do. Y'all make sure that y'all like, subscribe, rate, comment, wherever you're listening to. It helps us grow the show. If you are a first time listener, let us know what you think. Give us some feedback. We always want to do our best to provide you guys with the best content possible and get y'all the education y'all need. Yeah. Now, with that out of the way, let's introduce our guest for the day. So on today's episode, y'all, we got a brother like my man's Jared mentioned with a long list of accolades, former president of Rock Nation, uh, music industry vet, worked at ma- multiple major labels, has his own distribution company. And he got real estate popping, man. I got none other than Mr. Benny Poe on the pod. Benny, how you living, my brother? Yo, it's all good. It's all good. And just we're going to get this started right, right? So accolades is like lemonade, right? So we're going to be cool. we're gonna be easy on that. Mm. And it's pew like in the church, gentlemen. Pew. Pew. Yeah, it's okay. All right. It's all right. Don't stress. But yo, thank you guys for having me, man. I'm super excited about um, spending some time with y'all. You know, we're going to be here as long as you want me, so... Thank you. Hey, man. Well, we just want to say thank you for coming on to the show. Welcome to the show. We know that our listeners, they're going to be excited about this. We're excited about this. And we just going to really just get right on into it. For those who really don't know you, 
Can you kind of give just a brief introduction of what it was like to become to this point that you're in your life? So when you ask a failed comedian, right, ex-music promoter, brief, you want the short version or the long version of who I am? So I, you know what? I'll give you the you pitch. It just depends on how deep you want to go on how I started, right? So first, I must say, I'm the son of Janie and Benjamin Pugh, right? They were born in Orangeburg, South Carolina, so we keep them Southern roots all the way tight, right? I'm from White Plains, New York, grew up in White Plains, attended White Plains High School and graduated playing football, went to a D2 school, figured out that didn't work for me, then transferred to St. John's University, where I got my degree in communication and marketing, spent some time in the music business for the last couple of decades, you know, being a part of some of the success of some people you might know, but we'll get into that journey as you guys choose. But I'm um, super excited to be in here and, and getting involved to what you guys want to touch on. Hey, and that's a bit. And I kind of want to talk because you mentioned it off camera. I want to talk about the nitty gritty. You said at 11, you were out here slinging mm-hmm. paper. I want to talk about like, what was life like? for you growing up in New York? And like, how did that kind of shape you into the man that you are today? That's a great question. So I'm actually taking it in a different direction. Uh, I have a book that's coming out called On Impact. And it actually chronicalizes my journey from 11 years old to now being on BWR, right? And what it is, is an inspirational, motivational business book that uh, was inspired by a car accident that I was in that uh, hit a tree at 90 miles an hour. had a major concussion, L3, L4 vertebrae fractured, bulging disc in my back, lost half the blood in my body, lacerated my liver, and lost two feet of my small intestine. And that situation actually birthed a book, which I call On Impact, which is coming out next year. Pre-orders will be available uh, January 2021. And what it does is bring you through my journey right now from 11 years old being a newspaper delivery boy to, as I said, to this point. And what's so great about it, it gives you the underline of current day business as well as all of what I've done in music. So I'm super excited about that coming up. Sure. So Benny, I kind of hop in. So like, I know we start, we talked about like you, you started off as the paper boy. Um, Mm -hmm. Where was your start in the industry? Was it after college? Was it did you kind of get introduced maybe in college being a party promoter? How'd you find your way there? Man, everybody ain't promoting, B. Everybody ain't <laughs> no party promoter, B. Some of us just got that business, right? But it's actually interesting. My journey into music, I kind of fell in. I was a, I did stand-up during college. You know, I was there when the Uptown Comedy Club started. You know, Bill Bellamy's a great friend of mine. J.B. Smooth, we all started. All of those cats win. There wasn't avenues for Black comedians, right? We started the Uptown Comedy Club, which in turn was the birth of, if you think about it, was Def Jam Comedy Jam birthed out of that era of comedy. So a young lady who was actually the promoter at Motown Records, she booked me for a show. And at the end of the show, she asked me what I was doing. And I just graduated that summer. And I hadn't even prepared my resume. She said, why don't you come down and be my intern? You know where we grow up from? At that point, nobody knew what no intern was, but mm-hmm. since she asked me, she worked in Motown. I was like, yeah, I'll be your intern, right? Didn't know it was a free job, right? But used to doing that also. So once I got there, 
she introduced me to um, college radio promotions and I was also her assistant. So needless to say, at that time in my life, I was, uh, you know, had a strong business acumen. So I was typing like 60 words a minute from home row, doing all of that. And, you know, the business hadn't seen that and, you know, doing a lot of reconciliation of her paperwork and her expenses. And I realized kind of threw me off a little bit, right? Because no one ever explained to us what really expenses was. And I was processing this checks coming in, ex- things, expenses going out. And I asked her one day, cause I thought it was her money. And she said, no, it's not my check. It's, it's expenses. So I said, explain that to me. She said, you know, you know, when we go out, we drink, we eat, the label pays for my car note. They paid for my insurance. They paid my phone bill. You know, I was like, what? Like they do all of that. And she was like, yeah. And that's when I decided I wanted to be in music, right? Because uh, my background was sales and realizing that music was a non-traditional product, but music is a product, right? Mm -hmm. And what you do in, in the game is you're realizing at that time, you could take a relatively nobody in the music business, someone with the talent and create them and push them through the system and pretty much make a star and four weeks. I mean, now somebody can literally be made a star instantaneously, but the cycle normally was about four weeks. And that was my entry point into the music business. Mm, And that's interesting. That's interesting that you're talking about. Like it was you viewing those expenses because we hear a lot of stories of artists and how kind of like some of them kind of get pimped in the industry over their expenses. Like, you know, the record label, they're going to, pay for this, they're going to pay for that. And then a few years later, you hear about these deals, people are upset. They're upset about, oh, I didn't know that that was covered in that. I didn't know about this 360 deals and everything like that. But it was the fact that that segue is what brought you in there. You saw the benefits that this lady was receiving being a part of that record labor. You saw her benefiting from being able to get those expenses and not actually having to be an artist to receive those things. So that's really cool that that's how you were able to break into the industry saying, okay, I want to figure out how they can start paying for my stuff because I'm pretty sure that is what was going through your head. Correct? Absolutely. You know, when you think about, I mean, at the end of the day, when you look at your money, right, it's, it's, it's about, you know, how much of money, your money you can maintain and someone else pay for your lifestyle is really what we're talking about. Right. And, and obviously performing a talent, right? Or performing a duty that's required for doing that. Nothing is free. Like you were, you was intimating about artists and how they wind up, you know, at the end of a journey and wind up with nothing. Well, I mean, that comes with respect of money though. You got to understand it because nothing is free, right? And I think we as minorities and black folks and African-Americans, right? Is that we just happy about the opportunity as opposed to what the consequence. When you think about the consequence, you don't have to take everything somebody gives you. Your mama tell you that. Grandmama tell you that, right? Everything ain't for you, right? But when you get emotionally attached, then you make decisions, you know, that may not be best for you. It's just, you know, decisions that you make because you want to be a part of something and you relinquish too much, right? You should never decide to do anything under duress, right? Just take a moment. And duress is not, you know, a gun to your head. Duress is like, I'm emotionally, you know, just excited, Right. Mm -hmm. And when in those situations, you should always take a step back. 
looking at it kind of like from that Master P perspective instead of just taking right. the money. That's right. That's right. They offered me the million. What am I? Yeah, what am I? What are you going to get? What are you getting? Somebody going to give you a million dollars, what, to make two? <laughs> nah, nah, B. Not at all. <laughs> nah, like, come on. You know that. <laughs> not right? at all. So, Jerry, you got something? Yeah, I did want to go kind of like a question back into what you had said. So you had said it usually took a four-week cycle. Mm-hmm. And so with that, you meant like a marketing cycle that y'all had to promote the artist? Absolutely. So I, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was just saying I don't hear a lot of people talk about the actual marketing that has to go into music to make these artists. So like, could you expound on that a little bit more? So if you think about when you discover an artist, right, it's in your terms and at your time and however it's been presented to you in your space, right? Mm-hmm. So it's a new experience. That doesn't mean that that artist hasn't been around, right? So now in modern day, you know, normally when you, you're starting to see mass marketing or it's on your radar, whether it's Spotify or Apple Music or, you know, or YouTube and wherever you are at your discovery point, right? that artist has already been setting his or herself up, right? In order to be in the right spaces for discovery. And that process could be anywhere from, you know, zero, the artist that you see now could be zero to three years, right? Four to five projects. And when you finally get it, what's the first thing you do? When you find something you like, you go back to see Mm -hmm. what it was and who they are and you're discovering them that you didn't even know about. So that cycle, right, was kind of different when I started because we actually controlled all of the gatekeepers, right? Mm -hmm. So now with music, you know, the middle guy or the label is more of a finisher than they are a creator. Like, so if you don't have a vision for yourself coming to a label, then it's very difficult for a label to move you forward, Mm -hmm. right? You might get lucky. You have to come in with your brand and identity and how you see yourself and the label can then put fuel on that fire and mm. ramp it through. Mm. I got you. So with these labels, that like they're taking this initial investment, they're putting it into these artists, and it may take this cycle. So like, can we talk about like what is it exactly like that the label is getting out of this? Like, what are some of the, like the recoupable expenses that they're getting, and just kind of like how they profit more from the artist than what they're paying them at the time. Well, ultimately, it just comes down. I mean, if you really think about it, it's not even that complex. It's simple mathematics, right? Mm -hmm. The label's putting up all of the money, right? Just like your bank. Think about it as a home, right? They're giving you a loan, right? And at the end of the day, you come to the bank and you go, hey, listen, I got a good job, right? Me or me and my lady, and we're going to commit to this for 30 years. And at the end of the day, if you fall short, right, you're at risk of losing your product. And the bank is at risk of not getting their money, Mm. right? But ultimately, they'll get the asset in the event that you default. And so it's no different with an artist. The label is the bank. So whatever Mm. deal you structure with the bank, right, if it pops, it's great, right? So now you have to deal why it's so sensitive in the beginning. What percentage of my success am I banking on, right? And the leverage only becomes... When you walk in the door, that's why it's better to create a little more momentum for yourself. They're coming in ice cold. Hey, the four of us get together. We rapping. Somebody signs us. Well, we got to give up everything. They taking all the risk, <laughs> right? <laughs> mm, but if right. you coming in, you streaming or you touring or you selling merch, yo, that's a whole different conversation and leverage, right? Mm. So 
ultimately, you know, what's recouped is based on what's spent, right? So if you think about it, once you get into your business, yo, you know what? You might structure your deal different. I want everything approved to me, but you need leverage through that, right? Mm -hmm. You can't spend a dollar without coming to see me first, right? Or you have certain expenses that you can do without me. So it's just structuring your deal is more important than, you know, the knit and grit of, you know, for the level of conversation for folks on here, right? It's always about just doing good business. And music is no different than anything else we do in life, right? And how you approach it. There's no reason why you should go to a label if you don't have a lawyer. And your lawyer should be a music business lawyer. Your lawyer should not be a tech lawyer. Your lawyer should not be a real estate lawyer. Right. Your lawyer shouldn't be a textile lawyer. Your lawyer should be somebody good in music. Right. Not, not a lawyer that works for the label. It's a lawyer because he a lawyer or your people because I'm trying to save money. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, when you when you go into the hospital for life saving care, you're not thinking about how much it costs. You want your life saved. Right. Mm-hmm. So when you're sitting at the table with your deal, you should think of your lawyer like that. Save a little more money then because you need the best lawyer who's going to help you. That's going to move you through and educate yourself. Because lawyers, you got to think about it. It's no different than anything else as well, right? When you think about banking or you think about lawyers or you think about, you know, like specialist doctors, you're a one-off, right? Until you create the relationship. So they're not vested in you, right? So they're going to do good business. And if you don't know what to ask for in any of those aspects, in music specifically, then you don't know what to get. So mm-hmm. don't just go, because my lawyer says so. Well, your lawyer just doing his job. And they may... Right. Once again, it's no different than like being in the court system, right? DA and uh, prosecutors, right? Like, think about it. When your lawyer comes in, is this why people get either the best lawyer or outside lawyer? Because the mother, all of them in cahoots together. Yeah. Right. Yep. You just getting convicted. Well, yo, you just getting, you going to trial one time. They got to see these guys, yo, at Ruth Chris. <laughs> you know what I mean? They got go, to go to the Senate. Man. They got to do all of that. So, you not really is, you would hope. Right. That's your priority. And let's give the benefit of the doubt because everyone's not the same. And this is not one broad swap. But, you know, you would hope that people always have your professional people have your best interests. And that's why it's important for you to know your business on what to ask, because you're interviewing people that come in your camp. You're not hiring. Right. You're interviewing mm. them because they have to be on your side in anything you do. Mm. Like you, yeah. You're hitting on a lot of stuff that I kind of want to dive into. But I kind of want to take it back a little bit and get back to the story mm-hmm. of after you got that. Yeah. After you, after you got that internship, what was it like that next step from that internship? How did you once you said, OK, this is what I really want to do. How did you attack it and really just go full force? So my motto has been since I started working was to outwork everybody. Right. So I literally like all the things you heard in high school or heard in college. Right. The first one in, last one out, you know, always be prepared for the opportunity. And uh, I committed myself to that. Like I threw myself into the business and educating myself on what the business is about. I cut my bones in doing radio promotions, as I stated to you, and I spent a lot of time in developing concepts and programs for for Motown Records for the various artists at that time was Boys the Man and, you know, Shawnee Wilson and, you know, artists like that. And, mm-hmm. and realized that, you know, this was something I really wanted to do. And what Motown provided, right, because each situation provides a different element for growth. 
right? It was one, it enabled me being an African-American company at the beginning of my career, gave me the comfort of being at home. But you know how we are. We hard on ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. So, yo, the network of folks, they loved me. They saw talent and they pushed me, right? I didn't do it on my own. I didn't get here by myself, right? It was about the uh, mentoring and, and being a good mentee, right? Always asking questions and being humble, right? And people invite you in different rooms. Like people will, will bring you around. And that was most important, being honest and true. You know, like the music business can expose you to a lot of things, but you know, you should be the same person going into the business, any business that you would be once your gig is up, right? And I think that's what people were drawn to me was integrity. And that's what helped move me from label to label. You know, spending time at at Motown was like the education and it was a great education because, you know, it was some of the best black talent in the business at that Mm -hmm. point, right? And being around those people, just sitting in the rooms, or either overhearing or either asking questions set me up for my next move, which I moved on to Perspective Records, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis's label and spent there and started, spent a year there and did their uh, street team marketing and lifestyle promotions for them. And then I left there and went to Arista Record in Washington, D.C. And I was a regional promoter there, right? And it was great. Another you know, opportunity I thought that was quite amazing, you know, growing up in the suburbs of New York, White Plains, you know, it's uh, diverse, mm-hmm. um, probably when then it was more um, 70% white, 30%, you know, African-American and other mixed in. And when I moved to DC, it was profound because, you know, I never had the opportunity of seeing just successful black folks, right? Washington mm-hmm. DC, back then, man, like you had black tailors, black banks, right? Black bookstores, you know, everything you could go and, and do your business, right? And look at somebody uh, across the table who was just like you. And I thought that was quite intriguing. And that gave me a whole new thrust on how to approach, like, you know, moving, moving through this, in this business. Left there, went back to New York and got a big shot as the national director of promotions for MCA Records in New York. Left there and went west with the company and got a really big job as the senior vice president of, of promotions. And that opportunity opened up a lot. You know, I worked the four albums after 411 for Mary J. Blige. All My Life, Casey and JoJo, that staple song, uh, Shaggy, It Wasn't Me, right? And um, this little artist, probably at every wedding song now, Jesse Powell, you put that record on my back. And that was the record that really defined me as someone that would be, you know, one of the uh, noticeable promoters of modern day was that record, which defined me as a talent in the business and then moved on from there and went to Def Jam in 2003, was brought in to um, you know, manage their promotions and marketing department. And that was an incredible run, you know, where I came out of Young Jeezy, DJ Khaled, Rick Ross, Mariah, Emancipation of Mimi, uh, was Justin Bieber, <laughs> Justin, Justin Bieber, Neo, right? And that was, that was probably one of the most profound runs in, in modern day music on, you know, we walked into the business at a 2.3 market share. And when we left, our team had taken Def Jam, which was ice cold, to 11% market share, which obviously revenue increases share to share to share to share, right? So that was key. And I left there. 
and went to Epic Record, where I had an opportunity working along with L.A. to sign my first really big, notable artist at this point, Future. I signed uh, Yo Gotti. I signed Cash Out. Riding around with that Nina. He was a fun, yeah. that was a fun record. That was, that was a hit. <laughs> that, was, yeah. that was one of the things. Like, you know, those are the kind of projects that keep you young, right? We also had 21 Savage and Travis Scott was a part of that. And, you know, that run as well. And left there and went to uh, Rock Nation, which, you know, the team and I, we uh, created uh, EQ Distribution, organized, you know, the company and um, the music end of things. And, you know, um, had a great run with them and decided at that point, like, you know what, after all of the decades of being in music, you know, if you think about it, what the contribution, we as executives, right, we're just like prize fighters, you know, they get your best years and it's like, what do you have in the end? Mm -hmm. And before my legs got too tired, I decided like, yo, you know what, I want to take a shot. You know, you can identify talent, identify executives, right? And now what I don't have was equity in the game right? In the music piece, like, you know, there's a difference between making a great, and the the game has been wonderful, right? Mm -hmm. Like, conversation has been great, right? But what does that matter if it stops the day you stop? Mm -hmm. Right? Yo, that big check come a real small check fast, right? (laughs) Hell yeah, especially whenever your expenses is more than what's coming in. Yeah, but, but more importantly, like, you know, the music business is a very specific niche of executives that you know, are overly compensated. I mean, they're like NBA players, like, you know, the people who are making it are making it, right? And then there's middle tier and then there's, you know, just like anything else, the people in the back room, right? Mm -hmm. The people that make it work, that only making like $35,000 a year, right? But they're the ones that keep the engine going. And I decided like, you know what? I want to take my shot at it, right? And that's when I stepped out and decided to uh, do diverse media full-fledged distribution and take a swing at it, right? I love it, man. I love it. Hey, man, like, like he just took us through the real timeline. The thing is to me, like, listening to your timeline is like hearing it, I appreciate it so much because you were part of curating the culture, man. Like, you said you were pushing all these artists, you were finding these artists, you were doing all this for the culture, like, people that we appreciate a lot to this day. And at the end of it, you found that, like, yeah, I was compensated well, but I didn't get no equity and I helped build this. Like mm-hmm. I'm the one that built this. So I love that mentality of it because we talk about it all the time mm-hmm. on the podcast where it's like, if I can do this for you, why can't I do, why it, for can't I do it for myself? So let me give you a caveat to that. So what was important for me when I first left Motown and realized that when I got to Arista Records, that there were no salt and pepper hair black men walking around, right? So in the music business, you're not going to see, yo, a whole bunch of like, ha, 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 didn't we do well? Yo, Jerry, Dave, this has been a great run. Like you 65, <laughs> 70, 80 years old, right? You're not going to see no, hey, yo, 70-year-old black man still in music because it's a different game, right? If you look at, you know, the complexion of music, it's not for us longevity-wise. We're viewed as... You know, um, a young man's, yo, you got to be here. You got to be hot, B. I got to keep my head full. If I come in here with my age, young gray, yo, you OG now. Now, why can't I just be like Benny, right? And mm. the thing is, they don't have to be OG'd out because OG is 
I don't even like people can't even call me that, right? You can't call me OJ because that dates you. That puts you in a perspective. Love the respect and the connotation of what it is. But in business, you can't be the OG because it starts with old, mm. right? How can you be relevant <laughs> saying you love when you old? Like, <clears throat> call me the young G then. Don't old G me, call young G me, right? And that's what the perception becomes is like at some point, you know, Older black men can't just be wise and be relevant in the game. You got to be old, right? But, you know, our counterparts, they can stay and keep and redevelop and make mistakes and, you know, stay in 60s, 70s, 80s. I pay all y'all $1,000 if you can get me one 70-year-old black man that's still working in a major label. One 60-year-old black man that's still working in a major label. Mm. Right? And mm. at the point with that is, is that, you know, and that's just not in music, right? That's indicative in business. But because we are, as you stated, cultural, right? The culture chews you up fast. So if you don't find a way to either pivot, right? Figure it out and latch yourself in, i.e. equity, then you know it's coming. So don't be afraid of the exit because you know the exit is coming. And that's where I decided when I realized it was not going to be a retirement party for me, I started in real estate. Mm -hmm. So every bonus that I earned for 20 years went into purchasing something new. I never just, mm -hmm. yo, went and bought, I ah, have fun too, though, right? Yeah. You know, you know how we do it. Like if it's 11, the odd number, you spend that, right? But you keep the round number. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? Y'all oh, know, y'all yeah. from the yeah, South. You, 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 know, you know how we do, right? <laughs> yeah. The odd number, I'm going to spend all the odd. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Right? But the even, I'm saving that. And for me, my savings was brick and mortar, right? I wanted to, you know, be conservative, right? But also, you know, prepare for retirement. So I created my own retirement is how I started my company, Algae Brit, which, uh, you know, we have now over 100 doors around the country. Mm. And that was due to looking at a situation and figuring out like, yo, I'm not going to be, you know, an unsung. Right. I'm not going to be that story. I'm not going to be what happened now. Right. And it doesn't make me better or worse. It's like why are we all here right now. So our people don't have to make the mistakes. Right. Mm. Not yo, knowing like, yo, when you're in your prime earning years, when you're in your earning years, you need to make that money matter. Mm -hmm. Right. You can't be flossing. Don't get caught up. Don't get caught up. Right. And, you know, it's just important. Right. For us to really just be keen in on what we're doing. When we mm. man, man, you just touched on to a whole lot of shit that we gotta like we gotta pull that apart right quick, man. I like that he mentioned the the buying the properties again because that's like we just had an episode not long ago with uh A Donahue Baker. He got his start in the music industry as well, and it was that similar perspective with it where it was like, okay, I'm making these big checks, but these big checks they not gonna keep coming. I gotta turn this into forever money. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, I like how you had that foresight because I'm pretty sure with what you were doing, you were able to see the story happen numerous of times. People get hot, they make the money, then once they're not hot, they throw you to the side. So you had that foresight to say, okay, I can't be this. I can't let that be me. So I'm about to start putting it into something that's going to start paying me back. So that was so smart on your part for you to have that foresight. But it also talks to about being a business person. And I kind of want to go back to how you were alluding to that 
with the artists, how do you think artists could be better business people coming into this game? How can they educate themselves or set themselves up for success before they even meet these deals? Like you said, so how can they make sure that they're coming at this with the most logical way? So I would say this, right? My entire journey, it was never about me. It was about my team, Mm -hmm. right? And it's no different than anything else. Unless you're playing a solo sport, like if you're a golfer or swimmer, right? You know, most things that we watch are team sports, soccer, Mm -hmm. football, basketball, right? So you have to learn how to play with others and obviously process, you know, what's best for the team. And obviously being the talent, right? We all have different strengths and weaknesses. So examining yourself is first. You know, what am I really good at outside of just the artistry, right? Like, because you can't just zone out and I'm just the artist and lose everything, right? Like, so now it's taking baby steps, right? Figure out, you know, what's my need and how do I, as we were talking earlier, is how do I find the best people who are going to support me and be in, in this with me? You know, in any business that I do, accountants and lawyers are always important, right? So first start there right? And Mm. either from recommendations, right? Always keep your books in order. Like right now you can QuickBooks, you know, if you're figuring that out on your own, but don't be afraid of money, right? Don't be, it's better to learn on a curve with a little bit of money than learn on on a curve with a lot of money, right? Mm -hmm. Because then you can just adjust. I mean, there's been times as I was figuring out, I take money and just put it in a checking account. I want to gain interest. I want nothing. I just want to know what's there until I figure it out, right? Because you don't mm-hmm. always have to move. And sometimes, you know, stepping back and being silent and in control is far more important. But you have to be defined on who you are and what it is that you're building. Like looking mm-hmm. at the exit, right? When you decide where you want to be, now you make moves to get there. If you just don't, right, then you everything sounds good. So mm-hmm. planning is important for not only just artists, for us as people, right? Mm. Think beyond just the moment. Think mm. beyond just, yo, next week. Think beyond, you know, next month, hand them out. Think about like, where do I see myself? And once you see yourself there, and then you can move there. But if you don't see it, how can you? You aimless, be you lost. Hold on, I got it. Message! I had to hit him with it. But that's great advice because too many times, I remember whenever the thing happened with Joe Budden and Lil Yachty, Joe Budden was asking Lil Yachty like really great questions like, what's going on? Do you know your deal? And he's like, nah, man, I'm just having fun. Like, this is what it is. But then a few years later, I saw that it was something going on with his deal where it was like, he realized, oh man, I am kind of getting fucked here. A lot of people that you see is upset. Exactly. And it's like, uh, people were looking at Joe Budden saying, oh man, he's just hating on him. But in the actuality, he was just trying to tell him, hey, man, you need to understand that this isn't going to be forever. You need to understand your exit. So the way that you put it, you put it in a very eloquent way. Just understand where you're going after you start. It's always going to have to be an exit strategy. Even with anything you're investing in, it always has to be an exit strategy. I don't even care if it's a new job that you're starting. You need to start looking at the exit strategy. I had tweeted something a few days ago, a young lady said, hey, I just got hired making $100,000. And back to what we were talking about, if they're paying her $100,000, I said, baby girl, you're worth more than that. You're about to make them more than that. 
if they're willing to give you that at 22 years old, you're about to make them millions of dollars. And I said, while you're there, you need to understand and develop skills that can make you even more valuable so they won't be able to replace you. Or once your time is done, you can move on and still continue to accumulate those things. And some people kind of said I was hating, but I'm like, nah, it's all a part of the exit strategy. You have to understand where you're going after you start. And I think what you just really killed it, Jalen. And what's important for us is in corporate is great, right? And I guess you got to think now, this generation, right? Millennials and, and Gen Z, right? Corporate is not where they may land in the beginning, right? And corporate is different in 2020 than it was in 2019, right? Which will be forever mm-hmm. moving forward because mm-hmm. just the structure of how people are moving. But what the value, right? What a corporation will do even is give you structure, right? And allow you, no different than people that go in the military, right? Mm-hmm. They go in the military for what, right? For whatever reasons moves in there, but what they do come out is organized, right? Yes. They have structure, mm-hmm. right? And then you move to do however you do, right? And that's the same thing as going into a corporation. You should be thinking, okay, I'm going to take this for what the value of it is and be an entrepreneur, right? Mm-hmm. As well, because at the end of the day, you can't be corporate too long. And for me, I've always had two plan A's, right? I don't, you know, I don't do that B thing. It was two plan A's. I worked a full-time job in music and ran a full-time real estate portfolio, right? So I'm working on me in both aspects. So at the end of the day, it gives you a different kind of gravitas and strength walking into these companies, knowing like, I could care less what you say, right? Like you not, I'm not fearful of coming to work because I've already provided, I've provided for myself. And you make different decisions and choices that I help you grow when you're not coming in scared every day, right? Mm. And we should always find out what we're good at because we're good at more than one thing always. We black folk, right? <laughs> we're good at a lot of things, right? And realize um, how to hone your skill and find the value and realize when it is time. But moving forward, we definitely have to be in you guys, in your audience, right? And us as a community, knowing like, yo, we have to think beyond just, you know, getting me every two weeks. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Benny, I want to jump into D-verse now, man, because okay. I read into it. It's pretty interesting what you built out. And I think the people definitely need to know more about D-verse. Like, can you explain it more to them? So D-verse is, I can't even take the credit, like my son. So for his 18th birthday, I uh, decided, like, I wanted to give him a gift that could last forever, right? And something that, you know, long after he would remember. So I told him on his 18th birthday, I'm going to give you an LLC, right? So we needed a name, right? Mm. And he called it Diverse Records. He wanted Diverse Records. So got him the LLC. So he has his own company. And part of that is going back once again, teaching our kids how to deal with business, right? Mm. Yo, forget buying them Gucci. Forget buying them a $20,000 car that you're paying $400 a month. So your kid got a brand new car. Give them a business so they can understand how to move out here, right? That's what we, sh- we have to go back to that, right? Fundamentals. And when I uh, decided that I was going to do my own thing, I came up with all these names and this and that. And it just wasn't hot, <laughs> right? My name's, so I said, yo, man, listen, it's yours first. I'm just asking you for permission. Yo, can I have a little bit of that D-verse, <laughs> right? And he was like, yes. So I called my company's D-verse Media, which is uh, a distribution model which I give artists independent deals, right? Where they can still maintain their masters. 
give them advances, give them knowledge, give them wisdom, help maneuver them through at a rate that, you know, what is negotiable on coming onto the site. Uh, signed an artist, a little young lady out of Jackson, Mississippi. Her name is Paris Gatlin. She's quite amazing. So we also do repertoire, sign them directly to the label. And we also do licensing deals where you maintain your masters and, you know, we'll upload your music and help you with your marketing. That's what's up. Hey, man, that's dope as hell. That's the new wave, definitely, with that, what you just mentioned, that licensing deal. I noticed that's a huge conversation around music every, right now. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants their masters. Everybody wants to own their masters. So I'm glad that you're offering that as an option with, with your company because I just see that conversation so much now. Mm-hmm. I did have a question kind of looping back to something that you had said previously. I know you had said working within companies, if nothing else, can help you kind of gain that structure. Do you feel like kind of cutting your gums, working with radios and, you know, doing the distribution kind of like that? Did that help you with what you're doing now as far as getting that music out there now? So you are you referring to um, my early days at Motown? Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. I mean, that was the whole journey of music. The exposure set me up to be at this point. And, you know, there's different entry points and exits for, for executives, right? Some of us, some, there's a longer window for some and shorter for others. And I think the value of what you've learned and the time that you spend in a situation is really important. And my journey, I've learned a lot, right? And the biggest lesson for me in all of this is giving back, right? And I think at the beginning of this, you guys like, yo, you here? It's like, why wouldn't I be here? Like, I love what y'all do, right? Y'all youth, right? Y'all have an incredible audience, right? And ultimately, if people like me don't give it to you, then it dies, mm-hmm. right? And then we always have to start over. And that's the problem with us as Black people. We cool with dying with it than sharing it. It hurts for us to share, right? Mm-hmm. And that's, and we just have to learn, like, you know what? It's okay. Right? Usas, give it to me, baby. Right? Mm-hmm. And just let it go. Right? You take this and hold it. Because what you do with it, I couldn't do with it anyway. Because it's you. It's not me. Right? Yeah. But I want to help us by giving it to you. Mm. And I love that. I love how that's how you're paying it forward. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, well, people starting to come around. But like you said before, a lot of people are too comfortable with dying with mm-hmm. it. Or even whenever it comes to money. I've heard people say, I'd rather spend it all than leave it for the people behind me. And that's the most selfish bullshit I've ever heard. Like, why would you rather spend it all instead of letting it accumulate and trickle down to someone who, instead of making them start from the starting line or behind the starting line, why wouldn't you help them start from a checkpoint? Mm -hmm. So I just love, and I just had to applaud you for that. And I wanted to applaud you for what you did with your son. Also, like you said, you could have bought him a car for his 18th birthday. You could have bought him some kind of Gucci or whatever, but you said, no, let me show you how to actually make money. Let me teach you how to fish and do this on your own. So even if I were to pass away tomorrow, you're at least able to go out there and get it and provide for yourself and your family in the future. Mm-hmm. So I just had to definitely, definitely, uh, just congratulate you on that one, my brother. And uh, now that we kind of like got through some of the music stuff, I kind of want to talk, talk about ab- that app. I want to talk about the app, but I also want to talk about the real estate because I just want to know what was some of your requirements mm. you were looking for whenever you were invested in the real estate. Like what were some of the things that you were looking for? Were you in the hood? 
Were you looking for multifamilies? How did you kind of educate yourself on that? So it was interesting how I actually got into real estate is we uh, grew up in a five family house, right? Uh, I talk about it in my book. We lived in the attic and uh, the winters were really cold and the summers were really hot because there was no insulation, right? And um, my mother, she worked for the post office and my father, he was like the black MacGyver, like my pops could do, fix, do anything, right? And um, it was uh, interesting that the lady, uh, we called her mom, who owned the house, she um, was moving back to Kansas. So my father, who had been, you know, the maintenance guy for the property for her, right? And never took any money from her. You know, he's just a good, you know, salt of the earth kind of guy. But he took the pride in the house, right? As though it was his. So when it was time for her to leave, she said, Ben, I'm going to um, give you an opportunity to buy the house. And, you know, they didn't have the money. So she's like, well, I'll hold the paper because she owned the house. So holding Mm -hmm. the paper is she holds the mortgage because she's the bank, right? Once you pay off an asset, it's yours, right? You just Mm -hmm. have to pay the taxes. So now you pay her, you pay the owner, right? As though you would pay a bank. Mm-hmm. And so she gave them the opportunity. Why does that work well? Well, it's not the same credit check, not the same requirements, not the same, you know, traditional method that you may have to go through, which allowed them to be owners. Now, this was looking at what it was, like you're talking about five families, right? So now she was gone, um, mm-hmm. mom, right? So we moved from the <laughs> top floor to the first floor. And now you have four other units that are generating income. Mm-hmm. So my pops, like my mother, she worked at the post office. So all the benefits was covered. My father was able to be home with us, right? Like, you know, and do his thing during the day, right? And, you know, be him. And um, the house generated income. And that's where the light bulb went off for me. Mm-hmm. was like, yo, I want to be like my dad. I want that freedom. Like, because he moved around, you know, he was able to be with his kids, he was mm-hmm. able to be with his friends. Able to create, yo, yo, just be creative, right? And uh, just have the freedom, right? And that's when I got into the opportunity of making income. Was like, I'm gonna build that for myself, right? And mm-hmm. I'm gonna build it, yo, to the best of my ability, right? So as opportunities presented itself, I just kept going. So what is my taste? I found myself, you know being very broad in how I approach things. Multis, obviously, are the best aspect, right? But they're probably going to be more expensive just because they're income generating. I owned a whole city block in Hartford at one point, 18 units, 9 units, 8 units, 10 units, 12 units is the mix of my portfolio. Manhattan property, Chicago, uh, Jersey, Florida, and New York, right? And in that, I always looked for a jewel. So it would be a situation where, you know, it's always undervalued, mm-hmm. right? Patience for me, right? And connections, meaning like, you know, some of the best resources come from people you know mm-hmm. and where they are and what they see. And I was able to um, put together this portfolio, one with a lot of research, right? Back before everybody was doing Zillow or, you know, realtor.com and all those, all of that stuff, man, was doing that and got into investing, flipping, holding. But the majority of what I do is hold, Mm -hmm. right? So I buy low and I hold, 
right? Because, you know, I have properties that give me 40, 50% returns because I bought it so low and I own it outright, right? Mm -hmm. And that ultimately, you know, for somebody else, if you're talking to a finance guy, you know, they tell you, well, listen, that's not enough return or, you know, you could be using your money or real estate, you know, you need to know your strategy of what, what, mm-hmm. what it is that you, that you want to do. So I want um, a mixture to answer your question of all kinds of things from multis to high end condos. Hey, I love that. I love how you got to start. I love how you got to see your family. Like you said, home. yeah, it started at home. Y'all moved from the top from paying this, this woman, her income. And then those same families that y'all was paying with ended up becoming y'all income. So I just love how you were able to learn that lesson also at a young age. And once again, be a forward thinker, mm-hmm. being someone who had that foresight and said, this is how I kind of want to move too. Like, this is cool that my dad does not have to go out here and really bust his ass, come home late at work, not be able to see me, not be able to come to some of my things at school because that's important. As much as we might not say, that's so important to mm-hmm. a child when growing up. Because I remember whenever I grew up in a single family household, my mom, she couldn't make it because she had to work and provide. So even though I'm getting some of the accolades, as a child, you feel empty because you look out into that crowd, you hear mm-hmm. people, you know, they're, they're right. clapping for you, but there's no one that you have that you can share that with. Mm-hmm. So with you being able to experience that and saying, you know, this is what I want to do for my children, that's powerful that you are able to be instilled that into you. But it goes deeper though, right? And it's back to what we're talking about, the lessons. Like for the companies that I worked for during my tenure, it was a requirement for everybody to own something. I taught everybody how to buy their first mm-hmm. place. You're not mm-hmm. going to work for me and not be an owner. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't, that doesn't happen. Like it does not, you're not going to sit and applaud and look at me and you know, oh, Benny got this, Benny got, no, you're going to have it too, right? And that's what's most important, right? Is showing people, not having them guess at it. Like that's everybody who worked for me became an owner, like mm-hmm. a property owner, because you still, that's part of, you know, day one conversation. Mm-hmm. Well, how are you going to teach you how to save your money? I'm going to teach you how to get it. I'm going to put you with the right people on how to, you know what? Change your life and your family's life. Because it only it starts with all of us, right? Mm-hmm. And we got to stop talking about it and be about it, right? Hey, man. That's that that beautiful, beautiful yeah. man. I love it, man. I love it, so, too. So, yeah, now we can, we can move I, on to the, to I, the I app I do want to go to the app now, yeah. <laughs> so, Benny, man, you was telling us about this app, and it sounds so precious. Can you tell us more about Candy? So for people that want to know how it's spelled first, I'm going to tell y'all. It's K-A-N-D-I-I-D. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So Candid is an amazing concept that the founder and CEO, Antoine McLaughlin, a young cat at a, 29 years old out of Columbia, South Carolina, actually pitched me the idea in concept. Right. And this is where I think the value of what I learned in entertainment, right? As we talked about the executives that I've been a part of their careers and artists that have been a part of their careers, identifying talent. And talent is in every aspect of life. So when he brought the concept and he was raising money at the time, I was like, stop. Yeah, I want what's remaining of this. I'm buying mm-hmm. it. Right. So I took the last share and we closed the round and the founders round. And what it is, it's a new concept, right? From an African-American app developer, where if you think about Instagram and you think about OnlyFans, right? Instagram is about like and followers and OnlyFans is porn and subscription. We're micropayments, right? So what does that mean? 
So for example, you guys have all your behind the scene content, whether you're an athlete and you know, you have your workout videos or, you know, you're an artist and you want to preview some exclusive stuff that you don't want to put on the gram. So now you can come to Candid, right? And think of us as more of the Amazon of content. You mm-hmm. as the user can come to the platform and you can offer your content for free, right? Or you can charge up to $99. And on our site, a post is up to 40 pieces of content and 10 one-minute videos or an assortment thereof. So you top out at 40 pieces of content, photos, or 10 one-minute videos. And you now say what the price is for your, your, your content. Yes. Hey, that's dope as hell. <laughs> Very interesting concept, man. I like the micropayments thing because like uh, with mobile, that's definitely a, a trend that people have been picking up on like mm-hmm. with those like freemium apps and things like that where it's like you people are a lot more prone to making that small commitment each time with the little the little bit versus making that yeah big i don't want to commit to you all month man <laughs> like i got them jewels today <laughs> i'm like yo dave you was hot today i may not come back again. why am i paying for you the whole month like you gave it to me today i won't pay for it right it's immediate and i can go on right and obviously you're gonna as the influencer, you're going to create the vehicle and avenue mm-hmm. for your folks because you set the content of the content. We don't do that. We just provide the venue and the avenue for you now to transact, right? We're just the marketplace for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hey, man, that's precious. Hell, man. Y'all, it has it launched already? Or? Yeah, we're, in the app, we're, we're in the app store and beta now, like said, K-N-D-I-I-D, and we're rolling out oh, strong. Yeah. Um, I'm going down a little bit. Right That's right. We're going to take that one. We're going to take that. We pitch your money next week. You're right. I'm taking them too. <laughs> <laughs> but that's really, really dope, especially for creatives, because there's a lot of times where people, they'll put out content. They don't know how to really monetize those skills. Or even on Instagram, you see a lot of these comedians, they're mm. doing all of these great things and they're making, getting hundreds of likes and all of this and that. But at the same time, they're not making their bread on this. Mm-hmm. So it's cool that you're giving them the option to make that bread, but still provide that value that they're doing with that content. And think about it. Erica Badu did it best during the, the uh, pandemic where, you know, she offered her friends an opportunity to come in her house and, and then was it in her bedroom? You know, she performed for, you know, she charged people a dollar. She made over a million dollars. I could believe it. Like, think about it. Like, that's why I said the way this is, that's crazy. Because if you got the audience, you charge 99 cents. People will spend 99 cents, especially on the phone. Right. Right. They already got the information in the app store. They ain't got to think hard about it. You already got got your Apple Pay already linked. And then one thing I think that's real cool about it, it goes back to what you was talking about earlier with like getting that leverage and that proof of concept too. Like, if you're an artist, and you were doing your own, let's say, private concerts or something on there, like a small artist, maybe not an Erica Badu, mm-hmm. then like once you go to a label or something like that, like what we were talking about earlier, now you have that leverage. No, I've done this. This is how many sales I have. This is how many tickets I can sell consistently. So now you can't give me a bad deal. The Travis Scott deal. You want to talk about that stuff uh, kind of going. I into- think that was Jared talking about the uh, Travis Scott deal. I was just interested as far as like, how do you feel about that as far as how artists are going about expanding upon their brands? I know you had said earlier, you have to have like an uh, kind of an idea of what you want your identity to be 
uh, because the label is going to be a finisher. So how do you feel about like Travis Scott coming in doing deals like the concert with Fortnite and then the, uh, the McDonald's, McDonald's Travis Scott meal and stuff like that? Hey, everyone, it's Justin Biggs here from the Biggs versus Biggs podcast. If you're a fan of sports podcasts, then be sure to check out and subscribe to Biggs versus Biggs, a show that covers upcoming fights, fight reviews and interviews with some of boxing's brightest stars. And it's brought to you exclusively by Revolt Podcast Network, anchored in hip hop, powered by creators. Super incredible. Like Travis has always been forward, right, as an artist and kind of like what we're talking about vision, right? Like he's always seen himself being the person he is right now, mm-hmm. which is, I mean, I want you to follow what I'm saying. Like we were there day one when he came through the bill and tipping those guys brought him in, right? And uh, Jason Jeter and those guys. But he saw himself in this moment eight years ago, right? Mm-hmm. So he moved like that. So for him to be here is not a surprise to him, mm-hmm. right? Like, y'all remember he had the little Travis style? You know, he wasn't really, you know, he kind of, like, defined himself. Like, he's he's definitely urban, street, cultural, but he's doing rock stuff. Like, you know what I mean? He's defined himself and saw himself and carved his marketplace to be the success that he is. So, no, not surprised. And, And to see the door open only allows other people who look like him and look like you know, uh, the culture to get the opportunities. But also what comes with that was a lot of success, right? Mm -hmm. And, yo, the kid, you know, the people who are really successful, they work really hard. The ones who aren't fly by night, like, they work really hard. So, (laughs) you know, it's not by chance Mm -hmm. that people who are truly successful, like, they put in the hours, 10,000 hours, they say, or at least Mm -hmm. 9,999, right? They working at it, right? So that's why there are only a few superstars, right? Mm-hmm. It's things that separate, you know, average from supernatural, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, right? Good from great, right? You know, great to phenomenal. So, you know, whatever adjective you want to play with, but it's more important to realize, like, you know, you're going to talk about it. You really got to be about it. Mm-hmm. Have to put that time in. Look, yeah, ten thousand yeah. hour rule, man. And I'm trying to get them 10,000. I'm trying to get to 20,000. I want to yeah, be a know. master of the game, man. <laughs> Telling you, I'm trying to be a sensei out here. <laughs> but my question, what I wanted to go back, because I didn't know about the wreck, and that was that really kind of hit because you were able to do all of these great things and amass all of these accolades, but still at the end of the day, we're all human. And I just wanted to ask, what was your biggest lesson through your journey up until this point? What is the biggest lesson that you've learned up until this point? Yeah, I'm God-fearing, right? And my center and my good times and my bad times have always been, you know, based around my faith, right? Blessed enough, my mom's devout Christian, right? Maybe didn't love it in the beginning, but understand the value of it where I am now, right? And, Mm -hmm. And I took my principles, And, you know, I took um, what I've learned and I took my integrity and I took who I am and what I stand for, right, along with me. There are things that I won't be a part of because it's not who I am, right? I'd rather, you know, it's taken me decades to get to this point, which I've seen people move much faster, but they burned out because you know what? They took shortcuts, right? Or they compromised themselves, right? 
as opposed to like, you know what, it ain't for me, so it's not for me and move forward. So most importantly, that integrity, man. And, you know, that stays with me. Mm -hmm. I love it. And I, I love it because that was pretty much the underlying theme throughout all of this, even whenever you started talking about it, like need to know who you're going to be coming in mm. and going out. That's right. But it's just like, it's so real because a lot of the times it don't matter what it is. You'll see a lot of people lose themselves whenever they get into something. I'll say it for my life. I'm whenever I was in car salesman. There's some of these guys that came in and then they started shadowing some of these car salesmen. And you're the same shitty salesman that you didn't want to be coming in because you saw the money that they were making and you started making those same mistakes. That's right. So I just love how you really drove that. Yes, indeed. Well, Benny, my brother, we're going to pivot to the last segment of the show. So we're going to hop into what's on your timeline, man. We're going to want to see what's something that you've seen could be anywhere, social media on your thing. Uh, any, anything, man. What's something you've seen that you just feel like is important and want to speak on? Oh, man. Opportunity. Like, I think back to what we were talking about with the app, right? With an African-American developer and and um, seeing what apps do. Like, music will make you millions, right? And that's yeah. all you can see, be honest with you, right? Like, you can become a millionaire, a multi-millionaire in music. An app, you can become a billionaire, right? Mm. And I saw when I first got in in April into this app, we were um, reading on TechCrunch and OnlyFans was probably around valued at $600 million, right? During the pandemic, they're now ramping up to probably close to a $2 billion, $2 billion Crazy. Um, company, right? And no one are there, none of us who look like us, no opportunity for that. And so now my dreams, right? So there was an article this morning out in Bloomberg just looking at, talking about how the process in less than three years, right? Companies value at almost $2 billion. So that's what I'm looking at, right? Mm -hmm. Looking at how these opportunities are moving and how we're going to be a part of it, right? And realizing like now, you know, I've, 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 my paradigm has shift. I'm I'm looking at, you know, I'm dreaming in a whole nother level, right? Just because how we rise, we can bring folks along. So that's where I'm at with it. And that's so powerful because I think Adonis Hewitt Baker also said it. He's like, whenever you see, like, mark my words, the first child billionaire is going to come from a tech platform. Mm -hmm. And it's so crazy because, like you're saying, we need to be able to take those people with us. There's a lot of times where children, they're learning tech and stuff like that. Sometimes we might we might not understand us as parents are like the older generation. We might not understand what's going on with this tech. But I think that we should be as embracing and try to understand, you know, what's going on with these kids in this sphere, because there's a lot of opportunity for growth. Like you're saying with companies like Roblox, Roblox is a company that teach kids how to code at a very simple level. I think that we should definitely, definitely be encouraging our kids to get into those fields. And I'm not, no knock to the music industry, but it's so much more than that. Like you said, that's what's stopping us from being millionaires versus creating billionaires. We need to understand how to, if we want to stick with the music industry, how can we tap into that equity mm -hmm. side? 
How can only we stop? that's right. Only. Yes. How, how can we stop being the commodity versus being the person who's actually the at owner. the trading post? Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like we, we have to understand how to do that. But if that's not what it's going to be, we need to understand how can we own this software, these platforms, any type of these minimal viable products that's going to be launching. We need to understand that we need to own that and not selling it while before that, that real value is, is there. That's another thing that I see. Like you said, OnlyFans went from being worth 600 million to, to 2 billion, billion. in the same year. Like, no, bro. Come in on. The same year. That's crazy. That's what I just wanted to say off of that. We need to understand the value and the potential for growth mm. and not selling while it's too early. One of my favorite tech people that I love is Evan Spiegel. Mm-hmm. Evan Spiegel oh, is a fucking yeah, dog. Right. He's a fucking beast. Motherfucking Mark Zuckerberg came to him with a billion dollar fucking offer. And he said, fuck nah, you it, and it, that offer. It was three billion, bro. Three. But that was the first time. The first time. Was it a billion it or was, was three, it three then 30? And he turned it down both times. Shit, I'm still <laughs> three billion, 30 billion. Google came to him with an offer. He said, Nope, y'all can't have it, but y'all can buy equity in it. Like you have to be able to stand on, stand on your nuts and really just have that vision for yourself and really just say, No, this is what I want to do and this is what I'm gonna get out of. Mm. Yo, you murdered that, baby. Hey, yo, Jalen, you murdered that, man. I'm a, <laughs> yo, I might have to end this show, bro. Like, yo, <laughs> this is yo, your, B, this like, my job, like, something out, yo, B, like, <laughs> yo, you know, you can't, Jesus, that was hot, B, you went in. So, <laughs> oh, but, no. Um, but I think that, but I think you, you, you were spot on, though. And I, and I definitely do want to, um, just echo what you said in, in regards to the tech space, right? And that's where we, as creatives, right, need to understand, right, what our visions are and what our growth is and where we should be now. Like, just like music is where everybody wants to be, some people need to go to tech. Mm-hmm. Like, you understand? Some, yo, that is a whole nother game and level of just like, yo, future. Jesus, right? Like, it's just the value is untapped, right? And it's different, right? On you, as, as I started in this conversation talking about, you know, there are very few 60-year-old, 70-year-old African-American people at the table. Man, you might wait a long time for you see one of us floating around the tech, right? Mm-hmm. And to see this young man and being a part of helping him build this is, uh, you know, phenomenal for me. And I'm, I'm super excited of, of what the future is and the team that we're building. So you're going to hear a lot of great things from Candid. Just a note for you guys, once again, my book on impact is dropping in 2021. I'm super excited about that pre-order going up and I'm available anytime, day and night. BennyPew.com is my website. Hey, Most I was deaf. just going to ask you, my brother. If hey, man, you, that man's a forward yeah. thinker. I'm telling, I'm telling you, man, visionary. Yeah. I was going to ask you, man, like, <laughs> people got to know, man. First off, I need y'all to go download Candid. Yeah, we just got, I think we all just downloaded that. And so they can follow you on social media at Benny Pugh. Benny Pugh, B-E-N-N-Y-P-O-U-G-H. That's my handles on everything. Hey, y'all tap in. Y'all definitely, definitely tap in. And I just want to commend you again, man. Thank you for reinvesting back into the community. Thank you for taking the time out to get on our platform and drop these gems, everything that you got going on, bro. 
I just want to say thank you. Now, thank you all, bro. And I'll be back. For hey, sure. No, most bro. definitely. Yeah, this is yeah. just this. Or actually, you know what we might do? We might do this on Candid and get some bread. <laughs> hey, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, fellas. For sure. Appreciate you. All right, my brother. But before, yeah, before we, we go, up, we yeah. do want to hop into a few house cleaning items before we wrap this thing up. So as always, everybody, thank y'all for tuning into the Black Wolf Renaissance podcast. If you're a fan of the show, if you're a first time listener, like we said, y'all leave some feedback. Let us know. We appreciate y'all tapping tuning in, in every week. Yeah, uh, We've seen growth. It's ridiculous. Y'all also make sure to tap in with our ebook, Managing Money Like the 1% trying to get your finances together, that's definitely the plug. We also have our course, Credit Fundamentals 101, which also is educating you on the how credit you can system. use credit to leverage it, build yourself up, and just move smarter all together. So with that, I got, y'all got anything else? Nah, man. Uh, I just want to say y'all be on the lookout for the Podcaster's Playbook. Mm. That is a new course that we're going to be dropping um, y'all definitely, definitely be on the lookout for that. If you're thinking about getting into podcasting, if it's something that you have been doing, but you haven't really been seeing growth, or you kind of have some questions, a few nuances, um, we're about to bust all of that open for you. We've been doing this for going on two years now. Great. So I'm about to uh, really just everything that we've learned on the way, we're about to put it into a course. We're going to teach you about different equipment teach you about equipment that you might not need to buy whenever you're first starting out. So y'all definitely, definitely tap into that. And uh, the wealth pack too, y'all tap into the wealth pack, which is a bundle of our book, our ebook, credit fundamentals and our eight weeks of wealth. Eight weeks of wealth is a program that we did back in June uh, and July. And it was just eight weeks of hardcore personal finance, um, how you can house hack, um, how you can monetize your ideas, um, different ways to work with your partner. Uh, we talked about life insurance. We talked about credit. So it's really just a whole eight weeks of value and really just teaching you how to set yourself up. You can get all of those things for 147 with the wealth pack. So y'all definitely, definitely tap in. Uh, Jared, do you got anything, my brother? Oh, man, I think y'all basically covered it all. Hey, man, sorry. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> My brother wanted some fun, too. But with that being said, this is Black Wolf Renaissance signing out. Peace. I got money on my mind. I'm just trying to get some dough. I ain't picking up my lot unless it's money on the phone. Gotta get it on the daily. All I want is dubs. You know what I'm on. I've been chasing after paper. All I know is run money marathon. My name is Odessa and you are in tune to Reasonings with Odessa. Now, if you are looking for something that is going to give you all access to Caribbean and African pop culture, this podcast is for you. Reasonings with Odessa is brought to you exclusively by Revolt Podcast Network, anchored in hip hop and powered by creators.